I don't know how many people have lived their life like I have. I honestly cannot remember a day in my life when I did not think about committing suicide. Hey there, my name is Sean and this is Suicide Noted. On this podcast, I talk with suicide attempt survivors so that we can hear their stories. Every year around the world, millions of people try to take their own lives and we almost never talk about it. We certainly don't talk about it enough and when we do talk about it, many of us, including me, we're not very good at it. So one of my goals with this podcast is to have more conversations and hopefully better conversations with attempt survivors. Now, if you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to talk, please reach out. Hello at suicidenoted.com on Facebook or Twitter at suicidenoted. And I should add, if you're a suicide attempt survivor and you want to talk, we're going to talk. There's no requirements. There's no eligibility. There's no screening process. Everybody gets on. It just might take some time. So please do not let that dissuade you. I will also remind you to check the show notes. You can find several things there, including an additional way you can reach out to us via a recorded message, a little more information on our programs, volunteer needs, the Suicide Attempt Survivor Group on the app Signal, which you are welcome to join, and of course, our membership. Now, our membership doesn't change anything every week. Every Monday, we release a new episode. But for those of you who can and want to support us financially and get a few perks for doing so, you could click the link in the show notes, membership, and you can learn more and take a deeper dive into what we're doing and why we're doing it and some of our goals and some of our specific needs. Now, finally, we are talking about suicide on this podcast, as we do every Monday, as the title clearly suggests. And we realize this may not be a great fit for everybody. So please take that into account before or as you listen. But you know, I do hope you listen because there is so much to learn. Now, apologies in advance. There are a few spots in today's episode where the audio production quality is less than ideal. I am doing my best. That is not really my game or my lane. And so either trudge your way through those moments or fast forward a little bit. Either way. Today, I am talking with Dina. Dina currently lives in Mexico, and she is a suicide attempt survivor. I am sitting on a couch in Patsquaro, Michoacan, Mexico, with a woman named Dina, who I believe grew up much of her life, or at least spent the bulk of her adult life in Colorado. And we met recently through a mutual friend because... Dina was interested in taking one of my personal narrative story workshops. It should be noted that she did, and we had our showcase event, and she told an exceptional story, as did the others in the event, but very well. And my keynote went exceptionally well. And then she used a portion of that story as part of a keynote presentation for some other work she's involved in, which may come up in our conversation. Uh, And it went well, too, which, which is great to hear. And while I first met Dina, we were talking about story... Uh, and we were talking about some of her work, which is involved with climate change and e-lit. Google that if you don't know what it means. E-lit. Electronic literature. Yeah. Very interesting concept. Uh, but then at some point, I came up that I had this podcast and she was sharing about her life. And I asked her to join me because, uh, for lack of better words, she is eligible or qualified. Some people are not. 
most people aren't begging to come on the podcast anyway because their lives worked out in a way where they don't want to be on a podcast called Suicide Noted. Um, but here we are sitting on a couch talking about essentially something most people don't want to talk about. Well, I want to talk about it. I have a public service announcement. Wait a second. <laughs> you, you, oh, now, I, so it should also be noted. I usually send my guests questions, which we in, at some point get to or address. Uh, uh, I didn't send them to Dina because she's here. There wasn't a, like, a lot of email communication. So she, she's going to do her own thing, but don't worry. I'm going to bring her back and do it my way too. But so you are saying, just to be clear, before we even get into the conversation, you have a PSA. I do indeed. And you think it should be done now and not later? Yes. Go. Because it actually for forms the context of this whole discussion. And this is actually why we got into this conversation. I wear very large headphones that you normally use for airport employees um, to cut out sound. I wear them all the time because I have a lovely little thing called hyperacusis. Mm. And that is when ordinary, everyday sounds enter my brain as pain. So imagine you're in a grocery store. You've gotten up the courage to do this because you know that down every aisle, if somebody beeps, that's going to feel like a hot red coal stick into your temple. Mm. By the time you get to the checkout line and everything is beeping and you've spent so much energy just getting through this bed of hot coals, you have to endure all of that pain just to get your groceries mm -hmm. and the rest of your life. Everyday conversations can be painful. And it should be said right now, you're not wearing your headphones. I'm not because we're in a very quiet area, mm -hmm. but I have them right here in my hand. And when the construction starts or whatever happens, they're on me. Right. So I have learned to adapt. Nobody mistakes you for a hip-hop artist? Oh, I think sometimes they do. Uh -huh. <laughs> but the point is, I've had this my entire life. Um, so I'm in a unique position. It has gotten worse as I got, I've got. i gotten older. And many people get this because, here's the PSA, mm -hmm. they listen to music with their earbuds on vo maximum volume. They walk by jackhammers. They're exposed to noise. And you think, oh, what could happen? I could go deaf. No, 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 no. You could get hyperacusis. And we have no solid data. We have just anecdotal data. But that states that if you get adult onset hyperacusis, you have about one to five years to live because you commit suicide. All right. Good. That's so, my PSA. That's the PSA. Don't do that. PSA part of that, basically. And anyone who knows this podcast knows that I almost never give advice. It's just part of like what we do. It's just pure conversation. The listener takes from it whatever they want. But we're making an exception here because it is completely relevant. And that advice is, given what you've just shared from someone who is literally dealing with slash suffering with this, uh, just at least take note that that's a possible consequence of wearing those things for extended period of times and maybe oh. getting a little unlucky. No, my advice to you all is avoid noise exposure. Oh. Wear the earplugs to a concert. Oh. Wear... When you're a musician, go out and invest in musician earplugs. When you're a jackhammerist or a, a construction worker, insist on proper ear protection. Save your ears. You do not want to get hyperacusis. If you have to avoid, avoid noisy things, then I wouldn't have any friends. 
Right, but you can have earplugs. You can. No one would want to be around me because I'm loud. At the very least, don't put your earbuds in at full volume. I don't have earbuds. Good. So, what? Let's get back to the numbers and then how it affects you. You're, you're, you're part of it, and I'm sure there's a a long story there, which we won't make very long, just because okay. we got you know people. I've noticed that about an hour, people, even in the best podcasts, they check out. Uh, one in five commit suicide. Oh uh, no, we're we're thinking that. It's pretty much a one to five year life expectancy after an adult onset hyperacusis because you but can't. But is that correlation it. or causation? Causation. It's that bad. Because the pain involved when you have this thing makes your life so unbearable that that becomes the option. Most people who get it love music. You can no longer hear music. Uh, you cannot talk to your friends. You cannot get groceries. It's not just pain, it's emotional, everything. Yep. How long have you had it? I have had a form of this all of my life, but it's gotten much worse as I've gotten older. How old are you? 58. Do you think you're going to make it to 60? Yeah. If I'm still enjoying the party, yeah. Well, you've outlasted most people who've gotten this. Right, because I've had to deal with constant pain my entire life. Oh, uh, so your threshold was a little different. My No, I don't think my threshold's different, but my coping mechanisms uh, certainly are. What other kinds of pain? I also, well, the reason why I have hyperacusis is I have over 200 bone tumors in my body. It's a rare disease called multiple hereditary exostoses. Mm -hmm. And my hyperacusis stems from the fact that I've got an extra bone tumor right nestled against my skull and into my semicircular canal. So sound literally enters my mm -hmm. brain. Got enough enjoyment right now. That outweighs the pain. So I'll yeah. stick around for a bit. But this this condition, it doesn't kill you. No, it doesn't. It just makes life pretty much right. unbearable. Okay. And a lot of people can find ways around it, but it's tough. Do you remember the first time you ever thought about suicide? Three or four. Three or four years old? Years old. You have a good memory. It's Thinking about suicide is among my earliest memories. Uh, pray tell. Um, again, I was born with this, so yeah. I've been in pain. But along with that, I had, let's just do it very simply, my family put the fun in dysfunctional. And so um, I do remember my parents fighting very vi violently, and I was cowering in a hiding place near the corner and um, was thinking, yeah, no, this is not what I signed up for. This is not the party I wanted to go to. Mm -hmm. Maybe I don't want to be here. Mm. And I, so, yeah, I was pretty young. But then I, my first... But some people would just run away or they would <sighs> lock themselves in the bathroom. You're thinking about killing yourself. Yeah. All right. And I also had a young younger sister to protect. And mm -hmm. At that young an age, do, do kids, and this is a general question, but it might apply specifically. At three or four, do you think method or was it more like just... It was just an idea. Out. Yeah, an out. Yeah, but yeah. then my first one with the method and yeah. how to do it. Would have been grade school, but then really coalesced, of course, at that lovely age of 13. That's always the age. That's always the age. Th I can't tell you how many <laughs> conversations I have <laughs> where we spend age. a fair amount of time on the ages of like 13 and 14. Seriously. Yeah. And I was laying on a bathroom floor um, at school. Everybody had left and I was locked myself in the bathroom. Mm -hmm. And on one of the tiles, I wrote the pros for a living. And on the other tile, I wrote the cons <laughs> was just thinking it out. You know it's not always weighted equally, though, right? No, it really wasn't. I mean, you could have 10 yeah. pros and one really bad con, and the con wins. 
Yeah. No, and I do want to back up to, I also have severe seasonal affective disorder. Okay. And I noted that first when I was six or seven. And where were you living? I think my parents had gotten divorced at that point. So I was living in, all of this is in Colorado. Okay, Colorado. And, yeah. yeah, my mother's So it gets cold. Gets cold, gets dark. Around six or seven, I made a vow to myself that I would not commit suicide mm-hmm. between the months of October and April. Because you knew. Well, because I knew that my thinking wasn't good. It's pretty aware for a young kid. Yeah. So. So you trudged through. I trudged through. Sometimes snow, literally. Trudged through snow. With your condition. Yep. And I still have that commitment to myself. I do not commit suicide between October and April. You know, some people don't like the word commit. I don't even attempt it. I can think about it all I want, but I'm not going to leave the party until I'm rational. What are we now? We're February. Yeah. And you said you're not going to do it between one and one? (sighs) Between October and April. But we're not in Colorado. Right. And I'm not encouraging you to do it. beautiful, sunny Mexico. And I just had my suicide check today. And I said, you know, I'm summer, Dina. I don't have those feelings while I'm here because the sunlight's so happy here. What's a, su- what's a suicide check? Well, I've set this up with a therapist um, who's really good. If you get a therapist, you need to get one who understands you, mm-hmm. who works with you as an individual. Mm-hmm. And we've worked together for, I think, four or five years now. And in the winter, I she has a weekly suicide check with me. So we check in. How am I doing? How are my suicidal thoughts? How frequent? And what am I doing to cope? Are you always honest with her? Oh, yeah. Um, it's really hard to find a therapist who you can trust. Oh, but yeah. I've got one. And the other reason why I do trust her, tangential to this, is she also has a severe genetic handicap. Uh-huh. So she understands pain. She understands what it, how much effort it takes to be in the party when you're handicapped. What would she do or say if you were clearly in crises? Imminent threat. This is why I love this woman. Uh, <laughs> she has agreed with me to go ahead and respect my wish- wishes. She would talk to me. She would have a lot more therapy, and we would mm, really sure. talk it through. Pro-choice. Yeah. But maybe in certain well, states, not legal or certainly not. risky for her Risky license. for her license, but it, it's pretty much pro-rational choice at that point. Yeah. Colorado does have, as does several other states, a um, – what do they call it? I'm not sure it's the most. I'm not looking at this at the moment, but they do have – A kind of euthanasia. Euthanasia. Yeah, but you, and... you have to be so almost dead. Yeah. Yeah, you do. I think. It's not like, uh, I'm 30 – I'm unhappy, I want to die, there's no chance. Which I would say, right. you know, well, why can't we at least have a conversation that someone who's healthy and young at least has that option or choice? Not an encouragement, not something you wouldn't right. think about deeply and for a long time, but my, who, am, who am I or anybody else to say what you should do with your life? I'm just wondering yeah. that loud. My therapist and I have really talked this through over the years, and it's been more of a, okay, if it's a really rational choice due to the pain, yeah. due to the fact that you don't have the energy or the spoons to stay in the party, got it. Uh, the spoons reference is, you can go look it up yourselves, but I don't look sick.com, spoon theory. I've heard of the spoon theory. Yeah. I, that, there's something called I don't look sick.com. Yeah. And it's funny, uh, not funny, I remember learning about the spoon theory, and I don't want you to tell me because I want to remember it, 
And I could also just edit out this quiet spot, the spoon theory. It, give me a hint, but don't give it away. I don't have enough spoons to stay in the party. That's the whole thing? Oh, no, wait. That's wait. the hint. Fuck. I don't have enough spoons to go out tonight. Spoon is a metaphor for, well, like energy. Energy, exactly. But why energy spoons? Moves, uh, because of- Oh, it's code. It's code. It's code. And it's a code that the Spoonies can use. And, and you'll often see somebody in a wheelchair disabled who doesn't look disabled wearing a spoon. That's what they mean. It's code to people going, oh, okay. Okay, so, what? I'm okay? Oh, okay. I'm disabled and I have a limited amount of spoons. The way it came about was um, a girl with, who, with lupus was in a cafeteria with her friend. And her friend said, what's it like to live with lupus? And the girl gathered all the spoons at the restaurant, gave them to her friend and said, you who are healthy have all these spoons. And she took one away for breakfast and lunch and dinner. She still had spoons. But then she said, this is the spoons I've got. It's 25 of those. And I'm going to take five to get out of bed and get breakfast and meds. And by the time I'm done with my day, I've got two left. Such a great analogy. Yeah. So I don't, and when I say I've got, when I don't have enough spoons to stay in the party, I really think about life as a party, as a place to meet people, to have fun. Sometimes it's not so fun and you want to just escape into the library and read and that's cool. Drink bourbon. Yeah. But life is one of those really <laughs> great parties where people aren't drunk, but there's enough interesting things to do and to see and people to talk to. And when life doesn't have that quality, okay. Man, I just feel like that idea of the spoon is such a good idea for a name of a podcast or oh, I think a there book. Is one. Or, yeah, there must be some people yeah. using that idea. Um, so we can establish a few things. One, you're not dead. Right. Haven't done that yet. Clearly. And I'm not either. Um, you started thinking about suicide on some level as a, as a toddler almost. Yeah. More serious as a teenager. It didn't sound like you were uh, you attempted as a teenager. Oh, I did. So at 13, 14, you're on the floor. You do the pro and cons. The pro wins. No, the cons won. Oh, all right. So there we go. That was the point where we digressed. All right. So you're on the – what was the con? I don't remember the exact list. I do know the situation I was in. My parents had divorced. I was living with my father and his new wife, who was wonderful – but he was a fashion plate. And I'm Aspie also because of my stupid rare disease. You also have Aspie tendencies. And unfortunately, Gloria, my father's, my stepmother, said, oh, Dina, you need to be popular, insisted that I talk to her about everybody in school. Here's what you should say. Here's what you should wear. Here's all this. And I learned some valuable lessons, but it was horrific. So I was popular and it was just awful. And then also you're 13. And oh, I was failing classes and I had never failed before. My mother had decided, no, um, we don't want you back. My father was not too happy with me. So I was kind of like, yeah, no, mm. this is ridiculous. And I was just in, I think part of it was too. It was April 2nd. I was just after the... Uh, just after my de seasonal. my self-imposed deadline. So I was still yeah. in seasonal. I was sad. still... It's the, it's the sad... Yeah. Seasonal affective disorder. So I was still not totally rational. And I remember... And you're 13. You know, my God, the pain of that. And also, I had extremely painful periods. Like, I've had kidney stones. I've been an hour from death from a kidney stone. That pain pales in comparison to the pain that I was in at 13. And I had 
gone to a gynecologist, man, male gynecologist, who said, there, there, dear, it's just stress, dear, it's obvious you can't feel it? pain, dear. And severe endometriosis with polycystic. Wow. Guy's an asshole. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't know that. So those were a lot right. of the reasons. So I um, was in the bathroom. The bathroom was next to a don't know why they did this. Mm-hmm. And I think they would never do this nowadays. But it was next to a janitor's closet and the door was open. So, of course, I thought, well, all right, um, I'm here. I don't want to go home. Um, and I hadn't thought about who would find me because, you know, you're not thinking rationally at the moment. You're just so. So um, I drank bleach. Oh, you drank bleach. Had that go down? Really badly. Really painful. That's... Oh, my God. Just, oh, I would imagine you'd, you'd puke it up before it did enough damage to kill you. It burned badly. Um, and uh, yeah. inside, inside my mouth yeah, and my throat. And then I thought, oh, dear, this isn't going to work. So I took some other corrosive liquid and tossed that down. And then I was in the bathroom. This was after class. Mm-hmm. And the janitors came in around 8, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. So a few hours later, and I was in the hospital. couple of thoughts. I remember in high school, a girl ended her life, and I, I was told it was that way, drinking bleach. Same thoughts then. I was like, wow, no. does that kill you? Okay. Uh, so when you go to the hospital, that means at least one, perhaps several people found out. Did they know it was a suicide attempt? Yeah. Who, who found out? The school, the janitors got me into the hospital, called – my father and oh, had I mentioned this is April second? Yeah. My father is an accountant. I was a busy man. Busy man. It, so he didn't come. Gloria, my stepmother, did, and just berated the hell out of me because and that's you know, what you want to hear when you're suicidal. I've set you up with being the most popular girl in school. You have nothing that you could want. What? What's your problem? I'm like, yeah, yeah. Um, and are you in a regular hospital now, or are you in a psych hospital? It was a regular hospital, uh-huh. and then Gloria convinced them that it was an accident. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Then they shipped me off to my mother, and I finished the rest of the year in a gentle place. Um, <laughs> what does that mean? Well, I had earlier um, gone to a private school for about a year and had really that liked it um, with this my, the gentle place yeah and mm-hmm. so and I had still had friends there so they were like we'll just pay for you to go back to that St. Mary's and be there for the rest of the year oh. <laughs> so, so the other one was a public school the other one was a public now school now you're going back to a Catholic school yeah I wonder what they think about <laughs> I never found out so you made it through high school. Made it through now, high now school. Now, 17, 18 years old, one typically finishes high school. You're now uh, – this is now 40 years later. So in that time – we're not going to flash forward that much, but I'm just sort of <laughs> going forward and then we'll go back. In that time, how many other, if any, attempts have you had? My wife died. And one thing she'd asked me for – she asked for a lot of things right before her death. She died of ovarian cancer. One of the things she asked – was that I not commit suicide for a year and a day. Right before her last chemo, this would have been 2010. And right before her last chemo, we had a retreat in the mountains. We were sitting there on the cabin and she said, hey, you know, this is going to get bad. And I said, yeah, I know it's going to get really bad. She said, well, should we end it now? And I was like- Together. Together. And I was like, yeah, that's probably a good idea. She said, yeah, 
seems like a good idea to me. And we talked it through a little bit more and a little bit longer. And she's like, well, if there's any chance, I want to take it with life with you. We didn't get enough time together. And I'd love to be on this earth with you. How many? Like, how much time did you have with her? Four and a half years total. Okay. So um, you met in your 40s. Yeah. She said, all right. I said, okay, we'll, we'll do it your way. We'll go through it. It's like, okay, but here's what I want. And she wanted me to finish a couple of books. She wanted other things done. And then she said, I want you to promise me that you're not going to commit suicide for a year and a day mm. after my death. And I was like, oh, honey, that's emotional blackmail. And she smiles at me like, that's right. And I'm like, oh, okay. Why a year and a day? Because she thought at that point, she thought, you know, you're going to need time to grieve, to to take time to mourn. And that's the traditional mourning time okay. is a year and a day in Victorian England. And is that where you were living? No, no. But oh. we both loved those books. And- okay, John, make sure <laughs> yeah. we're still in Colorado. <laughs> we're still in Colorado. And we didn't go back to no, no. right across the pond. No, no. So, so then, yeah, and a year and a day goes by. So the very first day that I can commit suicide, because it's a year and a day, is April second, twenty twelve. And a day, and that's gonna, one day, and one day, and that's still going to get me into October. I don't commit. Suicide oh, then you got to wait six more months. Yeah. So, so she gave you a 16-month or 18-month. Right. So during that time, I was devastated and I had the pills. I had everything. But because I had that promise to her, I'd take the pills with me mm-hmm. and I'd drive to a friend of mine, ha- our house. Um, Brian was just an amazing guy. Mm-hmm. I'd hand him the bottle of pills and I'd hand him my car keys. And he'd say, you want to talk about it? And I'd say, no. And he'd say, that's fine. There's my basement. And he had this movie theater couch thing in his basement. And he said, you want to watch something? Here's your list. And he would lead me there. And he often had, we had some books there for self-help and mourning and Thich Nhat Hanh and some other mm-hmm, stuff and mm-hmm. stuff that my wife loved. And I would just stay there for as long as I needed to. So it was like my own private psychiatric hospital. <laughs> and I'm sure they could learn a lot from that kind of environment as to what would work better. Yeah. There's a lot of conversation on this podcast about not only the mental health system, but specifically certain psych units. Yeah. Oh, so dear. I had my own special psych unit with Brian, and that was amazing for me. Kept you alive? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't when, think without that I would have. When you would think about suicide, did you think about method? Oh, yes. I imagine it wasn't bleach this time. Oh, God, no. No. What was it? That'll skip. But I have several surefire methods. The mm-hmm. one thing that I will say, mm-hmm. this isn't advice, but I mm-hmm. have mm-hmm. thoroughly read and I keep with me my copy of Final Exit. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, so there, there, there are ways and resources if people really want to go. This has come up before. Yeah. Where you can you can do it. And There's more, more, much more likely to work. The legal implications of having that book with you underlined in your handwriting is huge. Because it, it, like, other people are off the hook. Exactly. Just in case they think they were a part of it. Exactly. All right. In the time between – so you haven't tried since then? No. Okay. You hadn't tried before then, other than middle school? Oh, there were a couple of times in college. Are we just passing over them? Yeah. Just little Just suicide you. attempts? <laughs> little suicide attempts, okay. yeah. Okay, we don't have to go into them if you don't want to. All right, you survived, you survived. Into your 20s and 30s, at some point in your 40s, you meet your, your now deceased wife. Yeah. Um, and we don't need to get all into your life stuff, but it isn't only about suicide. Were you 
if I remember correctly from our original conversation, were you a um, civil service worker? Were you working for the government? Right. For 31 years, I was a technical writer, planner for climate change and water supplies in the Western United climate States. Climate change? What's climate? That's not real. <laughs> Okay. Oh, right. dear. That's, that's, a that. that's a different podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Welcome to the new normal. This is going to be interesting. So the reason I brought it up, one, I'm curious, and I think people like to know a little bit about people's lives in addition to just the, the S word. But I know of late, if you want to share it, it's up to you. We could always cut it out. Something happened that probably isn't particularly good for your mental health with respect to your work. Oh, yeah. I had a toxic bus. And for 30 years, I really liked my work. And in fact, even though from October to April, I have suicidal fantasies every five minutes to half an hour, from April to October, I don't. So right now you do? Like today you've thought about it? Yeah. Fantasies means what? Oh God, it'd be so nice. But like a a car's crossing the street and you're like, should I just dart in front of it? Yeah, but I don't do that because I don't want anybody else's karma. Okay. Um, but yeah, stuff like that. Varying degrees of severity of. Yeah, there's a really nice place in Putzquaro if you just walked off. Yeah. Oh, you just okay. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sure it's happened. I'm sure it has. Uh, and you, so you went from non-toxic to toxic boss. Right, and so I've gone from highly respected to you're worthless in about six months, and mm. left. And the reason why I'm in Putzquaro is um, I left without any money and no retirement. (laughs) And I talked to my dear friend um, who has been in electronic literature as long as I have. And he said, oh, just come out here. It's sunny because he does know my my issues. Um, And I don't share with that many people, but he knows. Mm -hmm. He also has gone through some dark times. Mm So we've we've supported each other. And he said, it's sunny. I'll help you write your new book. And this will be a great new start. So I'm like, yay. So that's why I'm here. Yeah. And the electronic literature has been incredible for me. I was, it, I did my master's thesis on hypertext, um, the first master's Which thesis like, in the US. Is, is like ELIT 1.0. Is like 1.0. Right. Electronic literature is very simply uh, literature that requires an additional element to make sense. Uh-huh. So Blake's drawings are this electronic we'll link as well but yeah we can put a link maybe people can so get yeah a it's very assessment. easy but so basically i was one of eight people doing this and I groundbreaking a, pioneering pioneering and i've been in the field ever since and they are my family they are amazing folks mm. so and so that's why you're here that's yes. if you weren't here we wouldn't have met and then you agreed to talk to me and i actually don't even if i know if i asked i know part of the reason you wanted to talk to me was your psa but exactly. I imagine there's not the only reason. If you didn't have that PSA, but you were at some point suicidal or tried, would you have been open? Or you, it's hard to say. I would have been open. Yeah. yeah, it's important to talk about these issues. The other problem with the P- the PSA is when I first became aware of the hyperacusis community, when mm-hmm. I had a name for it, mm-hmm. all of the other boards, even now, I run the only. Facebook group where you can openly talk about suicide. All of the other message boards were explicitly, we will not tolerate suicidal thoughts. Very common, I know. And you're like, no, you need somebody there. Mm. When the jackhammer is going on, when your neighbor is blasting music, when your mother doesn't understand and runs the dishwasher in your room, Mm -hmm. when people are going, oh, sound can't hurt you, you need somebody to talk to who understands. And you just need somebody to be there to say one more minute. Mm-hmm. Um, I have on my phone 
or on my computer, Galway Canal's weight. And I want you to put a link into that. I'll give it to you. I mean, you're not getting that many links because you okay. get two links. I get two links. And I want Is that enough? Electronic literature and Galway Canal's weight because that poem, for me, just synthesizes the moment where you want to wait uh-huh. until pain becomes interesting again. Ooh. Secondhand loves become interesting again. It is an amazing poem. And in fact, I have that on my wall at home and I just go up and look at it. Would you be surprised or believe me if it's actually me? That's my pen name. I'm Galway. I would be very surprised. Um, <laughs> Galway Canals wait. What's the po- poet's name? Galway? Galway Canal. Uh, so I could be me. It's just could not. Be. So how many psych units have you been in um, as a patient? Other than patient? Brian's psych, psych unit, none. Okay. When you were 13, because I know we had the college ones, but we didn't spend much time with them. Do you remember what it's like to want to die or the, for the pain to go away sometimes? Yeah. That's a, and not, and then still be alive. And I know your stepmother's yelling, which sucks and all that, but like, yeah. you didn't want to be here and you still got to go on with your life. And at some point you're, you know, you're waking up and you're, and you're you living. Permanent throat damage. And you're living and there's damage. <laughs> so like, do you have words to that feeling? I think I was so numb. I think mm. that I was also disappointed in my failure. Oh, isn't that interesting? You failed to kill yourself. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now looking back after 50 years, I'm kind of glad I didn't. Um, I'm glad I've had this time. I'm glad I've been yeah. at this party. You don't wish that it had succeeded, for lack of a better word. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How many people in the world know that you have been or are suicidal? Wow. Um, I mean, I don't even exact number. From the hyperacusis adult support group on Facebook to other support groups, 200, mm-hmm. 300. So I have, I've been pretty open about it. And what percentage? And I mean, I'm sure you're careful who you share it with. Yeah. But have you found, by and large, well, I think I kind of know the answer to this based on what you've already shared. I'm always curious to see how people respond when they hear, learn of someone's attempt, learn of someone's even if it's just like depression, mental anguish. Um, do you have any recent memories of people saying things that I would put under the category of asshole-ish? Um, I really haven't. And mm. I don't know from this podcast what's going on. So yeah. this is taking a risk. But sure. most of the time that I share this, it's because it's in the context of, I know what you mean. Mm-hmm. I've been there. Mm-hmm. I can't give you advice, but what I can say is, Breathe moment by moment. If you can breathe. If you can breathe. Yeah, just taking it that way. Did you ever receive a mental health diagnosis you agree with? Yes. I have multiple hereditary exostoses, which has a scholarly link to autism Asperger's. Mm. So I'm on the spectrum from my disease. I also have seasonal affective disorder and even a complicating factor Integrated personality. So DID. that was fun. Yeah. Is that DID? Yeah. But I integrated. So, so what I'm does that cool. mean? That means that when I was a kid, I didn't really have anybody to take care of me. So I invented people to take care of me and that became a dissociative. But now? And now we're integrated and we're good. Okay. Dean is yeah. Dina. Yeah. Do you have any idea why it seems such a difficult topic for people to comfortably talk about? Integration? Suicide. Suicide? 
I think from the hyperacusis boards, and this is a problem in our society, mm-hmm. it's actually the same problem that I had when I got into the wheelchair and couldn't walk anymore, and I wanted somebody to teach me how to hike Colorado trails. Mm-hmm. No one would do it mm-hmm. because of liability. And in fact, with mm-hmm. my therapist and the suicide check-in, I can't tell you who that is, and I won't, because that person could be very liable. And so on the hyperacusis boards, if they allowed talk of suicide and somebody committed suicide, well, then they'd be sued for a million dollars. And, oh, we can't have that. We would rather not take the chance of being sued just so somebody could commit suicide because you can't talk to anybody. Which just causes more people to die. Which just causes more people to die. So we know what they really care about, don't we? Right. And I need to calm down. No. (laughs) Because I'm so pissed at the moment. Mm. And she's drinking tea. And I'm drinking tea to calm down. This is the way life is. But yeah, suicidal. You can't have a board. You can't even have a therapist because of the quote unquote duty to report and our litigious society. And the what happens when you report. And the what happens when you report. And it's like, no, our society is all backwards in this. It's a complex, wicked problem. <laughs> that that wicked's an acronym, but we're not going to spend time on that too much right here. No. One of the questions I always ask, we've actually gotten to a lot of them just organically. Uh, are there any specific myths around suicide or any of your conditions or anything else that came up that you want to dispel? People, and actually, you did it too, which is okay, say, oh, you if you're in that much pain, you have a higher pain threshold. Oh, I've done it twice, actually. I did yeah, it last done, week too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, no. That's not true. Mm. I mean, as much as I can tell, because I'm not in your body, mm. there are TENS units that simulate pain and, you know, okay. So I I feel mm. the same amount of pain in the same way, but I've lived with it all my life. So yeah. I have different coping mechanisms. I've been in a hospital, um, like I said, one hour away from death with kidney stones, and I had gone into the hospital saying, in this tone of voice, Hi, I'm in a great deal of pain right now. Do you think you could help me? It's a little creepy. It is creepy because one of my toping mechanisms is to fake not being in pain. And the only way I can do that is through this voice. So, no, no, you really shouldn't. And my wife and everybody else who knows me is the moment that that voice comes on, they're like, Dina, take your pain meds, lay down. Yeah. Here's a nice cold compress. Yeah, Let's call the hospital. I don't know how you met your wife, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't with that voice. <laughs> oh, it was not, no. <laughs> but at the same time, you come to that voice alone in a hospital. They're going to think you're drug-seeking. And that's a myth I want to talk about, too, is when you're in that much pain, don't go immediately to drug-seeking. Mm. The person could be in pain, but they cope with it differently. Yeah. I like drugs. I have troubles with drugs. And when I was homeless and most of high school, I had a rule not to be around them. Mm-hmm. That didn't come up at all, did it? Homeless. No. We just left <laughs> that one out. We left the homelessness and those couple suicides in college out. All right. We can't get to everything. It's not the... I get it. It works. No, I got a couple more questions and then and then this has been very enlightening and interesting. Life is complex. Life is wicked. Life is a wicked, complex problem. Yeah. Wicked and complex are not synonymous. No, they are not. Okay. Let's just be clear about that. And we're not talking about the Broadway musical. It was called Wicked. Yeah. Yeah. I don't do advice very much, but I offer it for guests. And it's actually not typically advice to those who are suffering in terms of being suicidal. It's to those people in their lives who might be in positions of support. 
even though you don't know them, all sorts of case-by-case details we don't know. Any thoughts or words to them? Yeah. Um, And this goes back, I'm sure this has been on your podcast, Mm. but mental illness is just about the same as physical illness. If you're going to say somebody something to somebody who is suicidal, think about, would you say that same thing to them if they had broken their leg? Mm-hmm. You know, snap out of it. Would you say that to somebody who's just broken their leg? Really? <laughs> Keep that in mind as you support the people around you. They can be going through a really rough time. Piece of practical advice is to take them on a walk every day and don't come home until you see one beautiful thing and you both see that same thing. But you never took a walk with Glory like that. No, <laughs> I didn't. Did she ever say stuff like that? Snap out of it? Oh, yeah, all the time. Mm-hmm. But with my wife, I did. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. It's a little unfair what happened to your wife. Oh, completely. Yeah, and she actually could have been in one of those. She died of ovarian cancer from the Johnson & Johnson baby powder. Talk about litigious societies again. Here we go. Aren't you pissed off? Yeah. But. You never meet anyone again? No. No, no. Do you think that you'll, this will come out, this will be edited and come out in a few months. Do you think you'll listen to it? Mostly what I've got is a positive, upbeat message. And even though it's a bit odd, my my view, and we had talked about this, um, is pretty much enjoy the party while you're here and you really need to leave. It's not like you need to go upstairs and take a nap or go into the library or retreat for a while, which is something everyone needs to do. But if you really need to leave and you've really thought it through, okay. And the reason why I can survive my life is I've got that out. Mm-hmm. I can take it when I need to. And you know how. And I know how. You even got the book. Got the book, got some other stuff. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Do yeah. your research. It's out there. It's out there. He's surprised. It seems like a whole lot of people don't do much research. Well, I should say this, actually, that's a very self-selected because I'm only talking to the people who lived. I'm not talking to all the people who died. And they probably did do their research. But it's also, I think there's several, everybody's unique. Uh, Every life is different. But I think there's some, in some generalities, there's a time when you want to commit suicide because you're in the moment, you're from my hyperacusis group, the neighbor is on his fifth day. The car alarm is on its sixth day and the police won't do anything and you just can't cope with what's going on right now and you're just so emotional that you check out. Yeah. And then there's the folks who are like, okay, the car alarm's on its sixth day. I'm walking out of here. I'll figure something else out and I'll still figure out ways to cope. But if everything gets to be too much, then I'm going to rationally check out of the party. And I think they're two very different things. And if you're in the spirit of the moment, yeah, you're not going to do research. Especially if you have a gun. Yeah. That's pretty easy and pretty deadly. Yep. I mean, just saying. Um, do you do you um, remember you told a story, crafted and told a story recently at our event. I thought it was an interesting thing. The takeaway, because, can I share that? Sure. You were, you were homeless for a period of time. You did not want to take charity. <laughs> Uh, and in the story, within the story, at some point, I like the message, which is, I guess, another form of a PSA, kind of, maybe sure. sort of generically speak. Uh, would you share that with us? Basically, I learned you can pay it forward. Mm. And so you can pay your debts to somebody by paying it forward. And, you know, if I may share, um, 
today there's a guy in the street who's about to have a knee surgery. So I gave him the crutch that I came with in Patsquato. And that's a way of paying it forward. So I'm still, even today, paying forward what people did for me as I left the hospital uh, when I was a homeless teenager with knee surgery from my stupid rare disease. <sighs> I'd gotten a couple of bone tumors taken off. That's a movie also, Paid Forward. It took Probably. Name, took yeah, I name, don't... Paid Forward. Well, I knew about it in the 80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah no. You predated <laughs> I predated that all that shit. Um, what else do you think is a question I made of? I didn't ask that I could have asked or an idea you want to share about any of this. I think it's important to have forums where you can talk about it honestly. And Operative word there is honestly. Yeah, honestly and safely. And I wish um, – I know I heard about your experience with the hospital. I mm -hmm. just wish every hospital would have a room where you could come in, kind of like Alcoholics Anonymous, have the coffee – there should be like reference books, movies, cookies, cookies coffee there, and then be able to talk with people there no without consequence. Yeah. consequence and without liability. Never going to happen. I know. Damn it. You know, it's so it's so interesting to me. Well, I shouldn't say it's never going to happen. That's super negative, but it does seem like the direction we're in. But However, could... that's what I'm doing. Yeah. Now- does that mean in a few months someone sues me and I get shut down? It's possible. I am doing things on uh, somewhat well-encrypted things on my phone Yeah, that it are – I can have conversations and audio conversations and text conversations. I'm not a counselor or therapist. Don't pretend to be. Uh, but I can, I, can, I can listen and chat and talk and engage. Yeah. And, and so I wonder where we draw the line there. Are they going to well, come after that stuff? Are they going to come after me for running the hyperacusis adult support network where it's not, on not Facebook? Not if you don't include the damn link. Are you going to include the link? Not in this podcast. Well, um, but maybe people need to find it. Well, anyone who has it knows um, about that. No. Yeah. And in fact, there's been this horrible rift in the hyperacusis community. There have been like – there's two or three other Facebook groups. And then mm -hmm. when somebody says – on those groups, I want to commit suicide. They're immediately shut down. Then I private message them and say, hey, you want to talk about it? Come mm. here. But the administrators of all of those Facebook groups are after me. Fuck them. Exactly. Exactly. Well, that's a bit of a harsh, harsh words. But... No, it's absolutely true. Um, and there needs to be ways in this community, ways that we can talk about suicide that are away from litigation, kind of like the Good Samaritan laws we have. Yeah. And I can see where that would be abused. I can see where you can say, oh, well, here we can talk about suicide, so I'm going to to just help you do it. No, right, that's like not what no I'm talking about. There's no nuance here? There's no middle ground? Right. It's like, come on. come on. Can't we have places where we can say to one another, hey, I've been where you're at. There is hope on the other side. If you I go further. It. I don't know why I can't choose to do what I want to do. Well, and that too. I mean, just Suicide, period, but you know, first, I get why I can't hurt you. I get why that's not okay. Like there should be laws against me harming other people. I'm going to go really on a limb here. You get pregnant nine point something times out of ten, it's going to be a human being alive in the world. You can choose. It's your body to end that life. I don't know how you feel. This might upset you. Well, why can you do that? Yeah. I can't take my own life. But the idea, and I'm, and it's probably an unfair comparison, is it's my body. And even without going into the abortion and all of that, which is a whole other wicked problem, 
you should be, I agree, you should be able to do what you want with your body. I happen to also think, you know, all drugs should be legalized and taxed the hell out of. And if you take them, then that tax money should go to education. Fine, but it's my body. If I'm not harming anyone else, I should be allowed to do that. And at the same time, if these are my shared experiences, I should be allowed to share my experiences with somebody without the litigation. Well, you are. And I am. So thank you. Do you don't you think that given that we're sitting in a lovely home in Mexico that at least if nothing else, a tiny percentage of this conversation should be in Spanish? Si se puedo. You mean si por supuesto? Por supuesto. No, si, si yo puedo. Um, sí, go on. Porque aprendí español a cada diez meses solamente y muy malo español. She's only been learning for two months and her Spanish is bad or something like that. Yes. Okay. Yeah, and my actually, I live, I'm doing this in English. Viví en Argentina y estudié en Escuela Secundaria. In my Spanish is only slightly better, probably. <laughs> so let's stop speaking Spanish because then already people, wherever they're listening to this, have hit pause. <laughs> yeah. You know, I did actually have a conversation. I told you with a couple of people, one other person here. But on Zoom, where I usually have – there's a kid in uh, – he might be listening. Hey, Santiago lives in Mexico City. Last year, we had a good conversation. And one of the things that came up, not surprising, was, uh, you know, like a lot of places here in Mexico, mental health care system failing badly. And maybe even more so – and this is not a knock on Mexican culture or specific part of Mexican culture, but this has come up with a few conversations too is – if, if you think we don't talk about it in the States. It's not talked about here. Part of it might be well, Catholicism. Part of it might be whatever. I don't know the reasons why, but boy, oh boy, there is taboo. Right. And honestly, this is something I did want to go back to. And the reason why I got my therapist and the reason why I agreed to biweekly suicide checks um, in the summer and weekly in the winter is I wanted insurance against going into the psych, psych hospital. I have a rare disease. Every medication affects me differently than it would anybody else mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because I lack one stupid protein sugar that everybody else has. But more than that, I want to check out on my own terms. And thus, if there was a failed attempt, if I didn't do it and I didn't make it, I can call my therapist and my therapist can talk to the doctor saying, hey, she's under my care. Let her out of the psych ward mm -hmm. where she's not getting help. I honestly have a therapist as a defense mechanism. I like your therapist. Oh, she's great. She's amazing. She inexpensive? Oh, she does take insurance and she is in the States and she's seeing me even in Mexico just on Zoom. How often? Um. Right now, we've agreed every other week because it's kind of like summer here, but in the winter, it's um, every week. Well, I think I just have new insurance because, you know, the healthcare marketplace thing, it always changes, or mine does. I'll check her out, maybe. Yeah, she's really it's good. the kind of thing most therapists come suck, <laughs> but the ones that are good are angels. I would say, you know, again, unsolicited advice, free advice costs, you know, it's <laughs> worth what it's caught, pay mm -hmm. what you pay for it. But mm -hmm. seriously, um, if you don't like the first therapist, go to a second, go to a third, invest in this mm. because it's just like investing in dental insurance. Don't even get me started on my teeth. 
quarantine because okay. that's the worst. But it's just like in triggering investing in other health insurance or even in your house insurance. If the worst happens and you do end up in a psych ward, you want somebody in your corner who well, understands well, my case, you. My guy was the one that fucking put me there. He wasn't in my corner. Oh well, then forget it. But yeah, no, I, I know what you mean. If you get the right one, <laughs> yeah. but you understand why some people give up, well, give up on that. Switch, and I talked. Right? Uh, they try, uh, they try, and then they're yeah. alone, and life is hard, and they only have a few spoons, and they're just not looking anymore. They stop. Well, what I ended up doing, and I interviewed about fifty therapists wow. before I got to mine, and so the the way that they always worked was, I would say to the therapist on the first meeting, yeah. very first, "Hi, I have a rare disease." I'm in a great deal of pain all of the time, and sometimes I might want to check out of the party. What do you think about that? Right off the bat. Right off the bat, first words out of my mouth. Mm -hmm. And then I see how they react. Mm -hmm. And a lot of my 50 times was just, you know, that free consult of five minutes. Boom, we're, boom. Not a, we're not going to be a good fit. Yeah, we're not. <laughs> but hey, all right. Better then than, yeah. Yeah. And this therapist says, oh, been there. Have the disease. Know what you mean. We were fine. And she also does cognitive behavioral therapy, so that's really good. You like CBT? Love CBT because I always end up with um, a mantra that I can work with. Some people like DBT. DBT is good too, dialectical behavior therapy, and that gives you the scripting to talk. And I like your shit. Well. That's why I'm all fucked up. <laughs> no, see, then you can have a different script in your mind. It's not, I'm all fucked up. It's like, uh, oh, I did this I could have done better in this way. Oh, yes. And now we're going to do it right. <laughs> I think that ship's passed, Sal. So. That ship's well, passed. Well, maybe, maybe some of my okay. other projects like this and all the uh, story stuff is a, is a slight form of therapy in some ways. I think it really Not is. enough. Do I need... Yeah, I mean, I've dabbled in both... C I haven't dabbled in DBT, but CBT. I just... Uh, the reality is you need the right people typically in the right support, mm -hmm. and it's really hard if you're just trying to... This is in general, but with that too... You know, you just stop doing it. It's just so easy to go back to habits. And, you know, yeah. again, it's just compounded if you're living alone and, that the, and you don't have a lot of money so that you don't get to go, go out to, let's say, a community event and see people. It adds up. It adds up. It does. It and that's, up. again, the reason why not everyone can afford a therapist. And therapists are overworked right now. If we could just have support rooms that were not liable right. and then we're not litigious like you said kind of like a 12-step model yeah. not the 12 steps necessarily but the idea of the room but we right. can't with the s word and i you wish we could have suicide anonymous i wish we could have there, SA. I, there were there, there, a couple of people tried oh and what oh dear. i don't know if it's well i don't know if it was just they stole the name they used the name or it's mm. actually under like some accredited thing well first there were only a few it's apples and oranges a little bit yeah because addiction Obesity, alcohol, drugs, and I know I'm simplifying this. It's a thing you like. Suicide is an action. It's different. I know they overlap. Yeah. I'm simplifying it. it and and uh, but it was interesting because I was uh, doing some writing when uh, on the 20 year anniversary of my friend's suicide, and I was wondering about this. So this would have been about five years ago, and I Googled suicide anonymous or programs like whatever try yeah. and there was one but it was uh, not in my state so it wasn't like you're just gonna go i would have to right. drive several hours and they didn't meet very often and i think they were trying to model it and i think the main idea was just to be able to have an open place to talk about it but i yeah. still don't think you can do it no, I, because yeah. someone can get in trouble and i don't think just because you choose to call it essay 
lets you off the hook. No, it really doesn't. And the 12-step model doesn't work. And I was Ooh, just thinking about, oh. I was also just oh, thinking about that as well. I don't know how many people have lived their life like I have, but I honestly cannot remember a day in my life when I did not think about committing suicide. How did we, how, how, was, how did we not lead with that? Oh, I don't know. I guess we could. You I wanted guess we to could lead edit with the PSA? It. I wanted to lead with no, the PSA. No, I don't PSA. edit things around <laughs> like that. I just cut and splice. I don't move yeah. around. But I've, I've as fantasized. As an adult. As an adult, as a child, um, I've fantasized about, I've thought about suicide every day. Not one day? You don't think one day? Okay. There were three days that I took a raft trip that was amazing. So maybe then, no, no, I thought about well, it then you too. Did too. Yeah, I did. Never mind. All right. So it's just, it's always, it's always <laughs> yeah. there. Do you think if you had to give me a number, it's purely just a guess, what percentage of the people, let's go worldwide, older than like one year old where their brain is like mushroom, uh, are like that, where they go at least know. once a day, think about it on some level? Honestly, I don't know. I know that the tendency is, especially for me, is to think that everybody's exactly like you. So, so a lot. I would think it was everybody. Wow. But I don't know. Imagine that. The weirdest thing of all that is if it was everybody and it's such a weirdly stigmatized thing we don't talk about, that would be like the most perverse, bizarre thing in the world. Well, you know, everybody goes to the toilet right. and we don't talk about wastewater. Fair. Okay, right. So that's a, so you're making a good point. So that means everyone can think about this and we don't talk about it. Yeah. Well, all right, but I'll push back a little bit and just saying different stakes. Very different so, stakes. You know, you can say, all right, well, if we don't talk about that, here's the potential problem. But if we don't talk about this, then you have some fucking random bald guy in North Carolina who has to start a podcast. Really? None of you motherfuckers who have big organizations could have figured something shit like this out. Me? Shame on you. And I say this a lot. Yeah. But it is important to really have this podcast. And thank you. I will be listening to it. It's important to know that other people are going through yeah. things and to know that people have come out on the other side. Sometimes. Sometimes. Or they come out every Sometimes day. Sometimes they leave. And if I were to ask them, we'll never know, presumably, because we'll you can't ask when someone's dead. Um, but there are people I talk to who still want to die. There are some people I talk to who yeah. wish they had died. Um, there are people who are, who are planning actively and some less actively. Um, some that are plenty much not in that case. They're, for lack of a better word, thriving. You know, it's like it's across the board. But there's no real tagline. If there were one, I talk about this a lot, is the whole thing for both guests, myself, and anybody who listens is just to help people feel a little less shitty and a little less alone. Yeah, and, and that's think, about the most I can do. I think having people feel less alone. Um, I mean, again, I'm just thinking through with Brian. We didn't even talk, but I knew he was in the house. Yeah, and that helped. Yeah, having somebody in your life who cares for you is the most important thing, I guess. I would add to that, though. There's yes, and you know, there's got to be that ability to communicate in certain ways. Oh, yeah, and you have to because you know that yes. there's somebody who loves you, but. There's, there's, having, they can't really have a conversation. It's uh, going back to this again, you know, I know you're going to edit this, but even having a group of strangers yeah. that you can go up in Facebook and just say, honestly, oh, yeah. you know, we could start uh, I This is how I feel right now. And somebody could be there going, hey, bro, I feel you. 
here for you. But here and for you. not even on Facebook, we have the technology now to do that where it actually you could see them or hear them rather easily on a phone, which yeah. a good percentage of people have, and more and more have Wi-Fi. And and then like calling the suicide hotline is important because you can talk to somebody there. But oh, I've had bad experiences really, with it. Are we really going to go to the hotline no, conversation? No, because like I've had bad experiences with it, and yes. there needs to be a place where. Even if you know somebody's not trained, it's like, been there, done that. If you know what's going to happen, if you say certain things, and oh, by the way, some of those things can be quite harmful and dangerous, and um, that's not a safe conversation. Right. You need a place for a safe conversation. That is kind of black and white to me. If I'm saying something to you, and then people come and take me away and even might hurt me, and then I get a bill, and I can add to this, and if you've heard the podcast, you've heard me say this all the time. That is literally the opposite of a safe conversation. I don't care oh, yeah. how kind your voice is. I don't care if you give me a few minutes to vent before the cops come. We know the game. And oh, by the way, if, if I'm not aware that the cops or whoever it is comes because they talk about suicide, there's a lack of transparency there that I think should be illegal. Oh, yeah. There, that shouldn't be a secret. No. And see that going back to my wonderful therapist when I have my suicide check, we both trust each other. She trusts me to maintain her license and to maintain her um, confidentiality. And she also trusts me that, okay, if I'm going, I trust her. If I'm going, she's not going to call the cops. She's not going to take any other action, which is so important to me. Yeah. And yeah, we also, I know we didn't talk about this too much and you're going to edit, so you don't, you can edit that out. I don't want to edit that much. I also, the bone disease that I have, um, I'm, always growing tumors. Technically, I should check to see if they're malignant. I don't. You might be able to be qualified to be euthanized. Yeah. Um, And and so uh, right now I'm growing three of them. Um, Just so everyone's clear, and I'm starting to make some levity here, I can't actually see anything growing out of Dina's body. Right. No, you won't. It's it's pretty slow. Yeah. Yeah. You can kind of see this bone's no, <laughs> it's under the skin, but yeah, um, and we do check, but I've talked to my doctors about this going, not doing chemo, not doing radiation. We're not finding out. I have been in a don't ask, don't tell situation with the bone growths for 20 years. Don't ask, don't tell, fuck you. Sure. That's why. Pretty much. Yeah. I, I just created a whole new thing. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. New tagline time. Don't ask, don't tell, fuck you, that's why. Boom. Boom. Yeah. Thanks, Dina. Yeah. This was well, fun. Thank you. I mean, people don't understand when I say it was fun talking. <laughs> but I do like talking to people in general, and I like talking about this uh, for myriad reasons. So, muchas gracias. De nada. Muchas gracias a ti. Exactly. De nada. Ni modo. That is my favorite word. Ni modo. It means, ah, whatever, just accept it. As always, thanks so much for listening and all of your support and special thanks to Dina down in Mexico. Thank you, Dina. If you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to talk, please reach out. Hello at SuicideNoted.com on Facebook or Twitter at SuicideNoted. And of course, check the show notes for an additional way to reach out and all kinds of other cool stuff, including our membership. We would love and appreciate your support. And that is all for episode number 156. Stay strong. Do the best you can. I'll talk to you soon.